0: Welcome to Unfolding Words. I'm your host, Tracia and I'm back. I did go missing for a few weeks. The freedom of summer got to my head and I somehow forgot that I was doing this summer season. But I am back. And there's just a few more weeks left, so I'm gonna make sure that I'm committed to the end of this podcast's summer season. And I appreciate those of you who have reached out and said, Hey, what's going on? Where are you? Are you okay? I'm okay. I'm here. <laughs> Just enjoying my summer freedom a little bit too much. This week, we are going to take a look at John 1 and 1. And what does it mean when the Bible says that the Word was with God and the Word was God? But first, it will be helpful to know what John's purpose was in writing. So the Gospel of John was written to persuade people to believe in Jesus. In John 20, 30, and 31, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John opens his book proclaiming and persuading people about the truth of who Jesus is. And the opening verse clearly states that Jesus is God and highlights his unique relationship with God the Father. So the book focuses on seven of Jesus's signs or miracles that prove his divinity. Jesus called people to believe in him and he promised them eternal life. He proved he could give life by raising Lazarus. We see this in chapter 11 and by his very own death and resurrection. And John has these seven I am statements that Jesus makes. And he also talks about Jesus's encounters with Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman his upper room teaching and washing of the disciples' feet and his high priestly prayer. That's sort of the form that the book takes. But when he opens, he quotes Genesis in Greek, in the beginning. And this phrase in the beginning is a metalipsis. It's a literary technique where a word or phrase is used that makes the readers think about the original context. So readers who read or listened to John 1 and 1, immediately went back to Genesis 1. And John uses Genesis 1 verses 1 through 5 in this way to establish the word as a pre-existing instrument of creation that was present with God from the very beginning. And the first section of John verses 1 through 5 of chapter 1 serve as a sort of interpretation of Genesis chapter 1, the early verses. And they're read through the framework of Proverbs 8, verses 22 through 31. And what John is doing here is similar to a method of Jewish interpretation called Midrash. And this form of interpretation was typically begun with a text from the Pentateuch, and then explained through allusions to a text from the prophets or the writings, which Proverbs is considered to be a part of the writings. John begins with a quotation that brings us right back to the context of Genesis 1, through 1-5, with its visuals of creation by God's divine word, And this opposition between light and darkness and his interpretation centers on the word as creator and bearer of divine light. So we see in Genesis 1 and 1 and Proverbs 8 and 22 that this Hebrew word reshith, which is usually translated as beginning, and it's focused on the larger context of both of the passages being about God's creation of the universe. So when John makes this connection, he's stating that Jesus existed prior to the first acts of creation. Jesus, the thought of Jesus, the idea of Jesus didn't start in Genesis 1 and 1. It came well before that. Jesus existed before time. So God's son is not an act of creation, but he is the means by which everything was created. And that's kind of a mind boggling thought to try to grasp that the one through whom all of creation came, came to be part of their creation. So with the words at the beginning, John opens his gospel with, an obvious allusion to the creation narrative of Genesis 1. And like Moses, he writes about the creative works of God. So Moses wrote about how God created the world with material things or how God created material creation. Not that God created the world out of material, but that God created the Creation that we see. Whereas John writes about a new spiritual creation, how mankind will be made over from the inside out. And John also wants to present Jesus as the Christ and the Messiah who came to fulfill all of the expectations of the Jews and then some. So John wants to paint the picture that this Messiah was not just a man but he was God himself who existed from all eternity and was himself the creative word that Genesis speaks of. So when we picture Jesus as God, John begins by saying, in the beginning was the word. That's such a simple, but a very deep statement that links Jesus with eternity past, with the very beginning or creation of the universe and with his mission, which would be visiting the earth as a word from God. That's what Jesus eventually would become. And the form of the verb to be indicates that when everything was brought into being at the creation, the word was already existing. And that's important to understand because it stands in contrast with the term used throughout the rest of the book, for that which came into being. So Jesus already existed. He didn't come into being. So let's look at a, a few of these words. So this word beginning is a Greek word called arche, that which is first. It means that which is first either in time or in rank or authority in it. It comes up 130 times in the New Testament. And this word always carries with it a sense of being primary or denoting the beginning of time. And the noun, arche, is often used with the word exousia, which means authority or has a sense of dominion. So this word is used in Luke 12 and 11 and Titus 3 and 1 to speak of governmental authorities. And this word Logos is a thing that is spoken or a matter. And in some cases, it can mean simply a spoken word. And in a number of cases in the New Testament, Logos is used to express the idea of divine revelation, which is what we see in John 1 and 1. The Logos is identified with God. And then later in the chapter, this Logos takes on So the gospel shows that Jesus is this logos, this very word spoken from God. And so he is the ultimate divine revelation. And we're able to see the progressive development of the spoken word until it becomes manifest to men. They can see it with their eyes. So this spoken word progressed until it became a person in the child of Jesus born as a baby. So all of the Old Testament references to Jesus had its start in the beginning, when God's divine purpose was conceived, essentially, or born. So every allusion to Christ in the scriptures appears to point to Jesus's pre-existence in his pre-birth state as the Old Testament prepares us for Jesus Christ. So John 1 and 1 says the word was with God. Let's look at that phrase. The father and the word are face to face. That's the, the image that this phrase should conjure up. The son is the express image of the father. And the gospel of John paints a picture of what it looks like when God comes to live among his people in the flesh. The word was with God points to a relationship, like a mirror image. It's been paraphrased as throned face to face with God or a gaze that is ever directed towards God. So when this word came, it had equality with God, the father. And the word with in verse one may be translated face to face with, as I mentioned earlier, which points to equality. So John is stating without a doubt that this word is the same as God. And eventually he'll point to the fact that this word is Jesus. And the word was God leaves no doubt about this fact. Again, the verb makes it clear that he did not become a God at some later time, but that he was always God. But what does John mean by calling Jesus a word? This term word indicates something about Jesus's earthly mission. He came to reveal God and his ways to men. So if anyone had a doubt about how God was working in the world, all they have to do is look at Jesus and see how God wants to work, how he wants to love, how he wants people to. To serve him. And he came to reveal God in a way that people had never seen before because they didn't have God in the flesh. So it makes it very clear of what God is expecting and what he's trying to accomplish. Jesus is the very thought of God expressed in a verbal and a nonverbal form. The purpose of Jesus' coming was to reveal. It was to show people, look, this is who God is. And if we think long and hard about the non-verbal parts of communication that surround the use of words, we can see that God was speaking volumes through Jesus. So when Jesus came, there was not just this nonverbal manifestation of God, but there was a verbal manifestation of God as well, because Jesus performed signs as well as spoke to people. So God, through John, through his writing in this gospel, was teaching through the word, but also by means of the word made flesh, as he showed what those words mean through Jesus's life and ministry. Psalms 33 and 6 say, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. So the importance of this opening phrase of John is that God, the God who speaks in the Old Testament, who started a covenant with his people, Israel, who inspired and moved through the prophets, was none other than the God known in Jesus Christ Himself. God did not change, he hasn't changed, just as Jesus Christ has not changed or evolved. Jesus Christ has always been at the heart of God. So the meaning of John 1 and 1 is not just that the word has some divine characteristics, but that the word participates in this reality of who God is. The word was the true deity, the true divine revelation of who God is. And John wanted there to be no doubt about that. So John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, God the Son took on human form as God's sort of final word to the world, not final in the fact that God has not spoken since, but final in that since Jesus came, all that God has to say is packaged up and rooted in Jesus Christ. Everything that God has to say is pointing towards Jesus and conforms to the person of Jesus Christ. All of the treasure and the wisdom and the knowledge of God are in Jesus Christ. This is what Colossians 2 and 3 was telling us. So beyond what the Old Testament told us, whatever we need to know about God and how he relates to our lives and how he's moving in the world, we learn from what we hear and see in God's final word, the person and the man of Jesus Christ. And this is what Hebrews 1 is all about. This final word of Christ, Jesus Christ. Chapter 1 of Hebrews says that the Son of God is, he's the heir of all things. He made the world. He's the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of God's nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power He made purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God's majesty, and he's greater than any angel because angels worship him, and he's the mighty God. This is what Hebrews 1 starts out with telling us. That's the message of chapter 1. God has spoken by his son, and this son is the creator and the sustainer and the owner and the ruler and the redeemer of the world. There are no commands for us here. There's just these great grand declarations about who God is in Jesus Christ, the greatness of Jesus. That's the final word of God. And the fact that we can talk about the word of life means that we're not just talking about a concept or an idea. Um, Christianity is not a philosophy or a set of ideas or an Ethical system. It's a relationship with the living God. And this relationship happens through God's Word. So we know that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this Word is Jesus Christ. And so every time we open the Word of God, we're beholding the person of Jesus Christ. And that's how we know more about God is by studying the life of Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? that God would be so gracious enough to give us the gift of Jesus Christ in person. And for those of us who could not be there to see God and behold him in person as Jesus Christ, we're able to do so through his scriptures. So don't take the opportunity to read the word of God and to learn more about Jesus lightly. It's such an honor. Take the opportunity. So that's it for this episode of Unfolding Words. I will hopefully be back next week. (laughs) I do have something lined up for next week. So I'm gonna round out this summer season strong. Okay, so you can just encourage me, send me some messages and say, keep going until the end of August. (laughs) I would appreciate that. So I'll see you back here next week. Thank you so much for listening in. Until next week, may God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.